Welcome to the podcast of Real Life Ministries Arizona. Let's get ready for the message from this week's Sunday gathering. James Elliott was born in Portland, Oregon a long, long time ago. Uh, would eventually go to Wheaton University. And while at Wheaton University, feel God place a call on his life to move away from uh, the consumerism, the materialism of life in America and move towards a life of purpose and meaning and being on mission. And he felt God calling him his senior year to go and be a missionary to reach unreached people groups, uh, which led he and his new wife, Elizabeth, to the nation of Ecuador. And eventually it would lead him deep into the jungles of Ecuador with some of his missionary friends to reach the Awaka uh, indigenous people. And so in uh, Late 1956, they landed their plane uh, deep in the jungles on a little strip uh, by a river. And they got out, there were five of them, Jim Elliott, the pilot, three other uh, missionaries. They built a little hut and they waited for these indigenous people to come upon them. And when they did, things did not go uh, maybe the way Jim Elliott and his friends thought it would go. And they did not return three days later. They did not return to their families a week later. Um, and there's a story there. And I'll get into that story a little bit more here later in our talk. But I want you to think about Jim Elliott. Because his senior year in college, uh, in his journal, they wrote, um, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose lose. I think he was talking about eternity. And we're going to talk a little bit about eternity and, and reality. Troy talked about our present reality. Uh, Ken Bell quote the last couple times we gathered. Um, here's a reality. The reality is within the next year, one of us in this room could die. That's a reality. That's a statistical reality. Um, within 65 years, probably everybody in this room will be dead here on this earth. That's reality. One day, our bodies, our hearts will stop beating, we'll stop breathing, and this, this shell that our soul is in will go into the ground or go into a fire, and our soul will be somewhere else for eternity. That's reality. And so, um, eternity is a long time as I was thinking about this. And I realized I don't think about eternity enough. I don't know if you guys ever think about eternity because it's kind of a scary concept. And we were a military family for years and we'd move about every two to three years. And uh, the big joke in our family was like, we got somewhere new and we liked it, great. But if we didn't, oh, okay, two or three years we'll move. We can endure this. Um, but I realized eternity doesn't work that way. There is no like, hey, in three years, if I don't like eternity, um, I can move. Eternity is for eternity. Um, and the reality is, I should think about that more often than I do. So, today I'm going to talk about a dot and a line. A dot and a line. So if you don't remember much about what I talk about today, I hope that a week from now, a month from now, you'll think about the dot and the line. Um, and what that represents to each of us. Um, because there's no escaping eternity. There's no makeups, there's no do-overs. 
you can't um, audit the course, you can't retake it. Um, it's forever. And I think that is where Jesus is pointing us to today as we get into Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And so, for weeks we've been going through Jesus' teachings on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, last couple of times we gathered, we were in the early parts, the first 18 verses of Matthew uh, chapter 6, where Jesus was really giving instructions on how we should live out spiritual disciplines, how we should do them in private, in secret, just us and God, whether it's giving or prayer or fasting, these things. Jesus said, these are things you do alone in secret places, just you and God. Uh, today, we're going to take a look at eternity. So let's read, if you've got a Bible, uh, Matthew 6, verse 19 through 24. I'll read the version that I have here. I think this is NIV. If somebody's got the ESV when I'm done, raise your hand. It'd be great if you could read us the ESV version. But I'll start. Verse 19. <clears throat> Don't lay up treasures for yourselves on the earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, wherever your treasure, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I'd like to say that part again. You cannot serve both God and money. Anybody have the ESV version that they're willing to share? Not too scared? Oh, it's up on the screen. There we go. Okay. Do not store up for yourselves treasure. Good. So I'm going to go into these into these uh, five verses. Um, I had a couple. I had some time in the past couple weeks to prepare this message, and as I did, I, I read several really good commentaries: Fourfold Gospel, McKnight's book on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I had time to read, pray, contemplate over this message because, like I said, I get scared every time I have to come up here or get to come up here and do this. Um, shared it with several people to read over and give me their feedback. Um, as I looked at these five verses, four things stood out to me um, that I'd like to share with you guys. And then at the end, we'll have a, a little bit of discussion time. I've got a couple questions I might throw out and get your thoughts on Jesus' teaching and what that might look like for us. So I just want you to be thinking about, as we're talking through this, what might be obstacles for you um, to be obedient and living a life of simplicity and generosity. Yeah. So, first point is this. We should live for the line, not the dot. Okay, some of you have seen the video of Francis Chan. He's got this rope and he says, this little piece of rope here is your life. And then he starts stringing out this rope and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And he explains, like, that's just a sliver of eternity. And I like to think of it as a dot. Like, if you took a pen or a pencil and put a tiny dot on a piece of paper, and you took, that's, that represents our life here on earth right now, the dot. And if you just drew that line as far as you could go around the earth a million times, you still haven't gotten to eternity. So the dot and the line. And all of us are going to transition from the dot to the line eventually. So my hope today is you think about the dot and the line. 
Jesus teaches us not to lay up or store or save or hoard valuable possessions and excess income in this present life. He, he says, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, because that is living for the dot. But that dot is going to extend one day to the line into eternity. And in verse 20, he teaches us to place or invest our treasure in heaven. Invest in the line. And the question I had as I was reading this was, well, why? Why, why Jesus? Why are you saying not to, not to spend it, not to value it, not to hoard it here? Why, why lay it up for eternity? And as I explored the why, I came to this conclusion. Because material things in this lifetime, they don't last. Even earthly wealth, it's always lost. At some point, you are going to hand it off to somebody else. Everyone eventually parts with all of their stuff. All of it. And one of my prayers on the side is that I don't leave a bunch of junk for my kids to have to sift through. Um, <laughs> and I'm not even close yet. I got a lot of stuff for them to sift through if I die tomorrow. So I got some work to do. So, um, but eventually, you're going to part with your money and your stuff. And according to the teachings of Jesus and other supporting scriptures, laying up our treasure, saving, planning, I'm going to pass it off to my children. He says it's foolish. It's foolish. It's living for the dot. You're missing out on the line, eternity. And he said, but if you invest that treasure in the line, in eternity, that's where true wisdom is, and that's where you will find your reward. Jim Elliott invested all of his earthly treasure, his material possessions, his time, and, and this we'll find later, ultimately his life, seeking to gain what he could not lose, treasure in heaven. He lived for the line, not for the dot. So that first point, living for the dot, not, or living for the line, not for the dot. Second point that really jumped out at me as I studied this was, my heart always goes where I put my money. In verse 21, Jesus says, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In uh, John Jalhuse's book on the fourfold gospel, he'll be here next week speaking. Uh, he calls the heart the interior center of a person, the interior center of a person, the seat of our emotions, where thought and intention reside. And this is what really got me, a place for communion with either God or the devil. And I really thought on that for a while. I thought, well, I mean, I, I don't know if I, feel, if I believe that, Dr. Dale Doucet. Uh And then I realized, no, Jesus, Jesus, who's pretty, got pretty, a lot of cred, a lot of authority, says you can't, you can't serve both. There's only room for one God in your heart. It's either the, the one true living God or it's money and stuff, which we know is just one of Satan's best strategies. So a place for communion with God or communion with the devil. Dr. Randy Alcorn speaks of this in his book, The Treasure Principle, where he says, if you show me your bank statements, I'll show you where your heart is. I thought about that. But yeah, if, if you take this stuff like that you, you need, your basic needs, hey, I need shelter, I need food, uh, 
the transportation most times. Those, those are things that we spend money on that God gets. Like, yeah, he, he, he blesses you so you can do those things, so that you can do ministry. Um, but beyond that, what do I spend my money on? That's where my heart is. And as I thought about it, I think God is, he wants all of it. He also wants our time, which is probably one of our most valuable resources, especially in America where we live in a time-poor economy. Everybody's too busy for God. Everybody's too busy to serve one another. If I looked at my schedule, that also would tell me where my heart is. What things do I invest my time in? So I'd encourage you uh, to think on that. Reflect over the last month. Yeah, if I looked at my schedule, if I looked at my bank statement, where is my heart? Because there are other people right here in Phoenix who are in need. And those are the people God is asking us to invest in. That's the place where he says to invest our treasure. Um, and as I was working through this all, I was really convicted because I sensed God was asking me, Brian, are you, are you indifferent towards the needs of others? Like, not that I don't care, because I care about people, but am I indifferent to the needs of others? Because there's people suffering right here in Phoenix. And, and I noticed that this, so here's what happens. I got a newsflash. If you ever get asked to prepare a message, God will point out things to you. He'll point out your own hypocrisy sometimes um, as you're preparing messages. And, and two times this last week, I was driving places in my car to go take care of a task. And I would see somebody who was homeless, you know, at a bus stop with all their stuff. I, mean, I saw a woman, I still, like, just almost, her skin was so dark, Caucasian woman, but her skin was, like, warm, dark, like that couch, because she had no escape from the sun. And, I, and, and later as I was working on this, I thought, wow, her and this guy I saw, I saw him. I was just indifferent towards her suffering. Because he's a disciple... In, in this community, we say as disciples, we're, we're following Jesus. We're um, being changed by Jesus, and ultimately we're on mission with Jesus. And I thought about that word following, and I thought, okay, following, he's not looking for fans. He doesn't want more followers on his social media. He's not looking for an entourage to walk behind him as he goes places. He's actually looking for um, people who will follow his teachings. And if I do those things, He's going to change my heart. And he's going to move me from a place of indifference to a place of compassion. And I realized he was telling me that I needed to put an emphasis on my basic needs and ignore luxury items. And he pointed me back to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan, he gave up his time. He gave up his money. We don't know what that truly cost him. But Jesus said, this is, this is it. This is the way. This is loving your neighbor. And then three separate occasions, just as I looked through the book of Matthew, Jesus had compassion on people who were suffering and met their needs. And I think as, as a follower of Jesus, he's asking us to do the same thing.
He wants us to enter into people's suffering. He wants us to meet their needs. He blesses us so we can do these things, not so that we can build bigger barns. Uh, and I will tell you what I've heard from other people, and I have embraced this flawed theology at times, that when I see people who are suffering or in bad life situations, it's because they made bad choices, and that's on them. That's their fault. That's what happens when you do fill in the blank. And it's really easy to easy for me to fall into that trap. Like, no, I, you know, people told me, don't lie, cheat, steal, don't do drugs, don't do these things, and if I do these things and I work hard, then I get this. But that's not what Jesus teaches. He just simply says, love people, have compassion. Don't judge them. Who knows why that lady was sitting by the curb in the sun, baked brown as a couch. I don't know. But God doesn't ask me to judge her. He just says, go to her in her suffering and see what needs she has and meet them. Third point was this, God owns everything. We are simply caretakers. I have a, a confession. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I'm just gonna share it. Uh, my wife and I watched a show called Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty faithfully. And, uh, there was a scene in there where the main character that Lord Grantham, who's this rich guy who has everything. He's sharing with his daughter that this isn't ours. We're merely caretakers. And I just thought, what a beautiful picture of us and how God feels about us and the things he blesses us with. He tells us, this isn't your stuff. You're a caretaker. Uh, our homes, our cars, our laptops, cell phones, our time, our energy, you know, I was thinking, because I knew we had some college kids here, I'm like, what stuff do college kids have that they value? So, I don't know. Cell phone, laptop, sneaker collection maybe. Whatever it is, these things, these things that we have, that we, it's so easy for me to say, oh, that's my fill-in-the-blank, that's my truck, that's my house, that's my... It's not. We're merely caretakers. Uh, in God's Word, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Not most stuff. Not like, oh, the, the earth, the, the grass, the trees, and the animals, but the, you know, the stuff you make, that's yours. Everything. Which is why in verses 22 and 23, Jesus talks about the eyes and how if they're healthy, they reflect light, and if they're unhealthy, they reflect darkness. And this is something I didn't know. I've read this passage many times, and, and as you prepare a message and you dig deeper with uh, commentaries and people that study this, with their life's work, uh, theologian Scott McKnight pointed out that the Greek word used here for healthy, haplos, actually means generous. And the word unhealthy, poneros, was associated with being stingy. So Jesus' point here is that we are, if we are generous, we will be full of light. Which got me thinking about salt and light. And that if we are stingy with our resources, then we are filled with the darkness. As Paul says in his first letter to Timothy, the, the love of money is the root, the beginning of all evil, of all darkness. So we're caretakers. Everything we have, we're merely caretakers of. We don't own it. God is asking us to take care of it. And really, he's, it's a test. He's watching to see what we do with it. Will we invest what he's giving us 
in his kingdom? Will we invest in the line? Or will we take the stuff he blesses us with and invest it in the dot in building our kingdom? Because Jesus is teaching here, he's not calling us, he, he may not be calling us, because he may be calling some of us here to a life of radical poverty. But he is calling us to a lifestyle of simplicity and generosity. And he takes exception with this ignoring the suffering around us while we live with excessive comfort. The final point is this, and I think it's kind of the, the main point Jesus was making, is that we cannot serve both God and money. Uh, he drives this point home in verse 24 where he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Think about that. Jesus is saying it's an either or. Either I'm gonna love money and stuff and things, or I'm gonna love God. But he's saying we can't do both. We can't serve both. We can't be devoted to both. Either I'm devoted to God and advancing his kingdom, I'm devoted to getting more money and more stuff so I can grow my kingdom here, so I can really enjoy the dot. McKnight highlights this point uh, his book on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, uh, we have a choice to make. We can either live on the treadmill of money or live for God. Jesus tells us that he didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve others. And he calls us to do the same. So what would it look like? Because I'm, I'm a questioner. So I'm like, okay, I'm reading through all this stuff and I'm going to talk about it. I was like, okay, well, what would that look like? What does that look like with skin on for me to live for God instead of money? In the fourfold gospel, the author said, God requires our exclusive loyalty. Our exclusive loyalty. Our devotion. And he points us towards Deuteronomy and to the Shema, where it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And I've read that many times. I've shared that with people many times. And I didn't fully, I thought I fully understood it. But the might part, the strength part, I was like, yeah, my strength, like all my physical, you know, oomph, everything I got, my last full measure of cells and blood and sinew. And, uh, Commentary point out that word might is actually miod, which refers to a person's wealth. So we are being called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our material stuff. How do we love God with our wealth? By using it to serve others. That's how. Because if we love God, if we're devoted to Him, we should be compelled to obey. And Jesus tells us throughout the Gospels, and especially in the book of John, that if we love Him, if we love God, then we will obey His commands. What's He commanding us to do? To love God and to love people with all of our heart, 
So what are some takeaways for us? Because it's great to get knowledge, but uh, you know, like it says in God's word, knowledge just puffs us up. It's, it's, it's love that builds God's church. Some takeaways. So here's some takeaways that I came up with, and I'd be curious later, maybe some takeaways for you. But the big takeaway for, uh, for me was my time here on earth, whether it's 53 years and one more day or 90, it's a dot. It's a dot. And eternity is this great long line that goes on forever. So don't waste the dot. Don't waste my dot. Building my kingdom. Invest in people. Invest in eternity and the line. Second takeaway for me was that we are called to love all people, our neighbors and our enemies. And I know, I know that academically, but I was reminded this week that I have a lot of work to do in loving people with my time and my money. And that Jesus is just asking me to live a life of simplicity and generosity so that I'm available and have resources to meet people in their moments of need. And I was struck by somebody pointing me back to Matthew 25 this week and we're the final judgment. We're being, we're being judged based on how we love the least of these. Poor, those in prison, those in need of medical care. Jesus is going to say, what did you do for them? Third takeaway for me was that I cannot serve God in money. I can't be devoted to both. I can only be devoted to one. And that's a hard reality because lots of times we think, yeah, that's great, but I, I'm afraid to trust God completely. I need to have some money set aside just in case God isn't real or doesn't come through for me. But he's telling me I can't serve both, so I have to choose today. I can only have one master. I can only be devoted to one. And Jesus' first message when we began this series was to repent. And we learned that that meant to completely change our way of thinking. I think he's asking his disciples here in chapter 6, I think he's asking us to completely change our thinking about how we see money and possessions and investing and being wise. I think he's asking us to completely change the way we think about those things. He's commanding us, he's calling us to a life of simplicity and generosity and serving others. In a moment, we're going to have some time of guided prayer. Jeff's going to lead us. Uh, and I encourage you, in your moments of, of silence with God in that secret space, to ask Him, how aligned is my heart, Lord, with your heart for people and things? Because He is asking us to live simply. He's asking us to live generously. Uh, he's asking us to do it now not later, when it's easier. Because um, that's kingdom living. That is what Jesus says is the one. Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website 
at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at reallifearizona.com. May God richly bless you.